0: A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some father beans and a nice candy. You, 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 choose me? I choose violence. Come on, let's get in the character. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to episode 326 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rayhole, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here broadcasting from the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee and the Dorkening Podcast Network. And I, of course, am not here by myself, even though it is the week of Ashtober Prime. I am here with my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is (gasps) the birthday girl. She is also the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Region of Rosé, the Princess of Prosecco. She is the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashes von Nightmare.
1: Happy birthday.
0: Yeah, it was your uh, birthday a couple days ago, and uh, it's we my celebrated... my birthday
1: all week. It's my birthday until I say it is no longer my birthday. So
0: once... Uh, September 30th is over it, then the calendar flips over to Ashtober uh, and then you have uh, Ashtober week and then there is Ashtober Prime which is your well, actual birthday. No,
1: no, but it, it's Ashtoberfest.
0: Ashtoberfest, that's what it was. And Ashtoberfest then Ash-tober prime. is
1: so... Uh, Ashtoberfest is usually the, the, the weekend or weekends surrounding my birthday, especially if I have a lot of stuff going on, which I do this year. Ooh, yeah. We are so incredibly booked solid this October. Like it is. And we just keep getting more. So I don't think I can get any busier and then I get busier. Yeah. like, and, But it's a good thing. It's a lot of really fun stuff. A lot of amazing opportunities. Uh, things have... just kind of popping up up and you know um i think i may have mentioned it on this show before kind of when we we're doing our like year wrap up whatever but this is my year of yes and i think my my year of yes may roll into next year too but i've been saying yes to pretty much every single opportunity that has been presented to me because what's the worst that could happen
0: Oh, terrible, terrible things like could happen, but I know what you're what you're saying.
1: Well, I'm I'm focusing on the positive. Yes. Um, you know, like uh, learning new things and having the opportunity to do something that I haven't done before. Like this upcoming weekend, uh, both Patsy and Yours Truly are going to be working on a music video. Now, you've done a music video before. I've done
0: several music videos,
1: uh, especially with. This one person yes uh but i have not and he's giving me the opportunity to be the second ad yep uh second to patsy's first ad yes uh, which If you've been listening to the show you know that i have assistant director experience thank you very much killing with kindness yep um but uh yeah so it'll be it's it's a very interesting opportunity and not something that i've done before so so that's what i'm talking about my year of yes taking advantage to every of every opportunity that comes my way. And if it, there have been some things that I've said no to, but for the most part, Few if, and it far feels, between. if it feels right, and honestly, sometimes, you know, for the most part, the stuff that I have said no to is because I'm already booked for something else.
0: And you, you've gotten uh, to do like just the past, you know, counting this weekend, which we'll get into in a minute, but counting this weekend, you had a uh, A first-time opportunity this past weekend. Yes. You have a first-time opportunity coming up this weekend. Yes. Uh, And next week, we have uh, a movie premiere, uh, an outdoor screening of a film that just premiered, but one that I worked on. Uh, You have a concert concert. Then
1: Another movie premiere.
0: Another premiere. One that I've been... And if you've listened to the show, you know that I am super excited to finally see The Holdovers. And there is a special screening event for the folks who worked on the film. I am super fucking stoked for that.
1: And there's going to be a Q&A with Alexander Payne there Correct. as well. So that, that's pretty exciting to be able to cross paths with him again.
0: Yes. Uh, and then that weekend... After that, we ha- I mean, I have a commercial that I'm doing right before that. So this this next week coming up, I have a commercial that I'm doing. Uh, and then we have a Halloween party that takes place just after uh, the week after Halloween. And then we don't have anything.
1: Which is well, right now, then, but we have a bunch of stuff in killing the Killing with
0: Kindness is playing... At the Coolidge Corner Theater, so I get to see that on the big screen with you, which is going to be fucking awesome. And then the day after that, we're in a film and also working behind the scenes. So, like, we have every, something every weekend, and in some cases, every single day. Like, we had the convention, but the week before that, like, I had worked all weekend on, uh, on a film, and then we had the premiere of She Who Dared, and then I was back on the film, and then, you know, a day in the lab, and then we were off to the convention, and then, I worked on the film again a couple of days, and now here we are.
1: Not to mention all the stuff that we have in the works right now. So we have a couple of projects coming up with the good folks at It Came from the 508 Productions. One being an actual production, and the other being an event that is in the works that we will... Two productions. Beneath the red
0: umbrella season oh, two.
1: Yes. How could I oh how could I forget that too? So so we have three projects <laughs> in the works with the good folks at uh It Came from the 508. Um Beneath the Red Umbrella 2, which I'm very excited <coughs> to uh hopefully lend my voice to that. And I'm again. sure we'll um, find a spot in there. And then, you know, an actual production project that we are currently working on that is going to be <gasps> Stakes! Fucking spectacular! We're very excited. So good. So we are in the process. We are pre-production on the trailer, and as soon as we can, yeah, proof of cause. As soon as we can tell you more, we will, and then we are working behind the scenes on an event coming up, uh, February of of next year. Yeah, February ish. Definitely stay tuned. Um, And that's
0: not even counting the conversations that I had today about a a couple of projects uh, coming up. Over the next couple of months.
1: And we're both in pre production on our own projects, too. Right. Mine's set to film in January, and yours is set to film, you know, at beginning of next year, spring, I'm, early I'm, yeah, spring. I'm
0: thinking uh, mid April. Uh, we just have to. I have most of the cast and some of the crew, but like there were a couple of casting choices that I really wanted, and I was able to nail down this past weekend. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, and you know, you've got your stuff, like we're pretty much going to do yours ourselves, but we do have some, uh, some stuff coming up where we may potentially be getting some gear because we have that big, uh, like swap meet thing
1: Oh yeah, in
0: December. I actually oh, sent that over up. to, to James to see if he could, if he wanted to get a table because today was the last day to do that. But vending spaces are free, so hopefully, you know, I'll follow up with him, see what he thought. But um, I know there's a lot of people that are, it's like a networking event. We'll share more about it, especially if you are a, uh, someone who is interested in getting into filmmaking or you already are and you're maybe looking to upgrade or get some different gear, new gear, additional gear, Um, you know this might be an event for you, but we'll talk more about that because today we are talking about a film, uh, and the characters within that, um, it came out 15 years ago as spicy ash was telling me off air. Um, and it was one that like made it into our annual rotation, and we actually gave away as a uh, the Blu-ray as a prize at our wedding for the costume contest, because that's how much we enjoyed it. Uh, we're talking about 2008's Repo the Genetic Opera. Now, we were lucky enough to watch this movie, get into it, really like it. This is back when we used to do Redbox all the time. And we saw a trailer for it. Yes.
1: Didn't we see it in front of one of the Saw films?
0: I think so, because that makes sense. Because Darren Lynn Bousman and all the, you know, um, uh, oh, what is his name? The guy in Saw 5? 3 that had the rings. Jay (gasps) LaRose. Yeah. Jay LaRose. I was trying to remember, like, I knew it was just an initial and then a last name. Like, Jay LaRose. also uh agent perez who's the actor's name completely escapes but she's the one who got her face blown off by the billy puppet that was like oh what's that thing it's whispering let me listen to it and all of a sudden like it exploded uh agent strom's partner um you know just a lot of that casting crew um including like i said darren lynn Bausman. um But it was the music that really got me, like the Legal Assassin song, which I fucking love. Um, And later that year, we got to meet most of the crew, or most of the cast, I should say. And we had them sign our copy of uh, the Blu-ray. So we got um, Bill Mosley. Who we were, we're actually. So this is 2010 because we were actually on our way out to go to the concert. It was the uh, Murder Dolls, Rob Zombie, and Alice Cooper. The
1: gruesome twosome tour.
0: It was super awesome. It was your 25th birthday.
1: Wow.
0: Um, and we were on our way out, and we hadn't gotten a chance to to get Bill Mosley's signature. And as we're walking out, he was walking in. So I was like, "Hey." I, You know, I don't mean to rush you, but we're on our way to the concert. Like, would you mind signing this? He's like, sure, but I'm still going to charge you. And I'm like, absolutely. Like, I didn't expect you to do it for free. So he signed. Uh, we also got uh, Nivek Ogre from Skinny Puppy, who plays uh, Pavi Largo. Uh, Bill Mosley plays Luigi. And then your favorite. I was only able to get the end of this part, but we were telling everyone it was your birthday because it was. And Terrence Zudanich, who plays uh, Grave Robber. I keep wanting to call him Grave Digger, but that's a monster truck. Uh, which, if he could play the monster truck, that would be some Daniel Day-Lewis-level acting. Mm, quite, <clears throat> quite the range. Yeah. Uh, his method. He had wheels installed instead of <laughs> <Yeah>. arms. <laughs> um, he sang uh, an abbreviated version of Happy Birthday and Kissed Your Hand. After he signed our 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 uh, Blu-ray cover, so and that kind of you know brings us to what we were talking about with the con this past weekend at uh, Monster Expo, as well as Happenstance Horror Fest, where Killing with Kindness played again. Um, So many people were reminiscing about how we miss rock and shock including uh joe and wendy who run the convention um you know that was something that we talked about quite a bit and it was definitely something that you know everybody kind of you know no matter where we were or who we were talking to everyone's like man you know i really miss rock and Shock, but we've started to build up our own traditions with this convention like uh two years ago when it was in Fairhaven. We got a suite because it was your your birthday weekend, and it wasn't intended, but we had a bunch of people end up coming up to our room and hanging out, and we're like, you know what? We're doing that shit again, and we had a bunch of people come up to the room and hang out, and we drank wine, and we watched YouTube videos, and we just shot the shit. We had some edibles. Um, It was a good time. And then you had a brand new experience the following morning. Why don't you tell the good folks at home what you did the following morning while Ryan and I, unsupervised, went nuts on the waffle bar.
1: Uh, So, some of you may know this already and some of you probably don't, but I am in the process of starting a brand new podcast with three other gorgeous, gruesome gals called The Living Dead Ghoul Podcast. Our first episode is set to air on Halloween. Um, So as kind of, you know, trying to come up with some promotional stuff and whatnot, uh, we decided to do a photo shoot. And we decided that we would dress up as kind of like horror-inspired icons. And you'll have to wait and see, you know, who did what when the pictures dropped. But I think we all chose characters that were um, very uh, true to who we are as people. I think so. You know, our, our our looks were very much you know on brand with who we are, and uh, I'm so excited to have the opportunity to do this. It was. Definitely different I've never done a Photo shoot before I've never modeled In any type of way Um, I have the tendency To go what I call Full on derpy potato With my face Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how to act I don't know how to pose I don't know how to do Anything So uh, yeah I I, I just I kind of look like A Mrs. Potato Head When it comes to Taking pictures And stuff Which is why I don't Do it that often I have no idea What my angle is Or whatnot. I have no idea what to do with my facial expressions. My face kind of has a mind of its own for the most part. Um, you know, some people say it's resting bitch face, but oh no, my bitch, bitch face does not rest. It is ever vigilant and always, always on the prowl. Um, so so yeah, so in an attempt to not have resting bitch, you know, my, my, my bitch face, I sometimes try to like make faces and it just I'm, I'm either i'm either resting bitch face or derpy potato like there is no in between like it's either one or the other um so 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 yeah so uh got to see a couple of the pictures so far and there's this one with the four of us that is just so fucking fierce and i cannot wait for you to see it and we all had props and stuff too because again, I don't know what to do with my hands. If you've seen Michael Neal's Celophaeus, you know that we were extras in it in this one scene. You are always and extra. I, I, if that is true, <laughs> I am definitely always extra. But uh, I, I kind of went with this whole <coughs> excuse me, like this whole kind of like sorceress vibe, and I had this selenite orb that I took off my altar because and, and kind of you know played with it a little bit, like. Um, like, like Jareth from The Labyrinth, like not to that extent, but uh, you know, because I didn't know what to do with my hands. And I'm like, I'm just gonna sit there like, you know, I don't know, like doing weird things, like throwing gang signs with my hands. So like <laughs> I'm like, let me do something. So uh, yeah, so we had props and stuff for the photo shoot, but it was, it was fun, it was definitely interesting. Although we had to get up so freaking early because I had to do a whole full face of makeup and costume and hair and everything and had to be ready for for 8:30 so like running off of 3 although that's the con environment anyways running off of like literally no sleep having you know coffee just intravenously fed into your system um, but this convention was really good. It was two floors at a convention center um, packed full of of vendors and some celebrities and a lot of people. We got to see some people who we haven't seen in a while, which was fantastic. Uh, I definitely kind of had that family reunion vibe that Rock and Shock had for us. You know, got to see some people who we haven't seen since the Rock and Shock days. So that was pretty fantastic too so um monster expo it's uh really growing to be something pretty great and i hope they continue to stick with it i hope they continue to grow and uh every year so this is the third year and every year it just kind of fills that rock and shock void just a little bit more you know so i'm I'm, I'm hoping that it continues to do so and uh you know and we got to see some people like Colleen the warrior Queen was there with Laurelyn, Lynn yep. and uh, you know so a lot just... of our
0: a lot of our film friends we got to see a lot of our
1: I do think it's quite fantastic to have the horror convention like in conjunction with a horror film festival yes like that's kind of the perfect environment for it so you know you can hang out you can watch some of these films you can go walk on the floor you can visit some of these fantastic vendors um, um, you can go visit the celebrities, have selfies, do autographs, and stuff like that. Like it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty cool vibe. And they had food trucks outside too, which I thought was a nice touch. I
0: was very upset because for like <laughs> two weeks, all I was telling her was like, "I'm going to buy you so many corn." And when we finally got to because the, because friggin-
1: apparently, like that was his <clears throat> hyper fixation for the past few weeks. He saw that there was going to be like a street corn, corn
0: truck. They had yeah. like eight different kinds of street corn, and I was like, "This is going to be amazing." And when we finally got there, uh, it was us and Mike Neal and the Jazz Man. And we got up there and we were like, all right, you know, what do you want? And the lady was like, all right, I have everything except for corn. We sold out of 60 pounds of corn today. And I was so disappointed. And then on your birthday, we went to go to the Pumpkin's. Uh, at the Roger Williams Park Zoo, the Jack-O-Lantern Spectacular, which we do every year but didn't get to do last year. So we finally got to go back, and we went to the Jack-O-Lantern Spectacular, and one other thing I told him, I'm going to buy you uh, fried dough and popcorn because that's what she likes when we're there. She likes fried dough and popcorn, and when we got out, there was no more fucking popcorn, and... I was just like, I'm going to stop making you corn-based promises because-
1: <laughs> Because you can't deliver. Every
0: time I do, and I hype it up for <laughs> days and weeks at a time, when we get there, there's no more goddamn corn. So it's so disappointing. However, uh, we recently tried the 1911 cider. Uh, we got, like, the rosé or the cherry or whatever, and we kind of liked it. It comes in a four-pack. It's very good. And so when I went on uh, the day before your birthday – no, it was your birthday. Uh, I went out, and I got you your cake that you wanted. I was able to do that. I got the corn cake. It was very exciting. Uh, no, it was a, a pumpkin swirl dealie that she likes. Um and i was able to get that and i got the big one to make up for all the lack of corn uh so
1: corn cream corn
0: cream mr cody uh
1: warmbo if you we... know side note: if you know who warmbo is hit me up because yes. we should be best friends because
0: warmbo warmbo and corn cream um so we you know we've mentioned that we really like the downy cider donut And I was like, well, I want to try this kind, too. So I grabbed that. And 1911 also had a limited edition batch, uh, which we both really liked. And I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. Candy corn hard cider, which is really good. And the handy thing about these guys is they have a sweetness scale that goes from one to six on the side of their can. So you can take a look at it. And if you don't like stuff that's super sweet, you prefer it tart or, or dry. You can look at the side of the can, and it'll tell you where it is on a one to six. Now the cider donut is a five, but the candy corn is a six, and you liked the candy corn.
1: I didn't realize we were doing the Vaughn Nightmare Vineyard section already.
0: Well, no, I'm doing it because I have a can <laughs> of this in front of me, and yeah, we've been drinking it. Yeah, that's the
1: cider donut. That's not the candy corn. That is.
0: But we're gonna. I'm sure we'll talk about the candy corn later on, because that stuff was good. But I just wanted to say that was the one corn-based thing I was able to provide. <laughs> because you did you did mention a few weeks ago, you're like, oh, I'd try it, but I don't know. Like, you know, if I don't like, you know, you don't want to spend $13 on four cans of stuff that you don't like and then, like, not like it and not finish it, but we did like it. There'll be a, a more in-depth review uh, in the future, so... Uh, I think this is a good place to kind of uh, stop rambling for a minute. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll play the trailer for uh, Repo. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the characters because I have a very interesting insight to the main character or one of the main characters. And, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. it's scary. By the middle of the 21st century, organ failure had become a worldwide epidemic. But Jinko was there to satisfy the demand for organ replacements. The problem is, if you miss a payment, Gene Co sends out the Repo Man. And when he finds you, your time is up. Like I said, that was the trailer, uh, one of the many, many trailers for 2008's Repo, the genetic opera, which, fun fact, is not actually an opera. I learned this uh, having an argument with someone Uh, It is not an opera because there are spoken words and not everything is sung. That is correct. So I didn't know that. So this is more like Repo, the generic, genetic musical.
1: It is a generic, it it is not. not. It is not
0: generic. Uh, It is also not to be confused with the Jude Law, Forrest Whitaker movie, Repo Man.
1: Yeah, that's a completely different vibe.
0: But it is still about repossessing organs.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So very
1: far less music, though,
0: far less music, uh, very similar
1: in zero Paris Hilton.
0: No, which you could argue is good or bad, depending on if you like Paris Hilton. Well, we'll talk about that. We will. So who did you want to start with?
1: Well, I think that the narrator of the film is a great place to start. So similar to like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, where you have the criminologist who kind of maps everything out for you and narrates The exposition guy. Yes. We have Grave Robber, just Grave Robber, played by Terrence Zadunich, who actually wrote the songs for this film.
0: And did the artwork. The intro is kind of uh, very comic book-like. Moving, moving comic graphic novel. Yeah,
1: think like, um, like Sin City, Watchmen esque.
0: Um, when with certain parts, yeah, like it's it's basically like a a motion comic. That's the word I was looking for. It's like a motion comic, um, kind of laying out the plot and bringing us up to speed to where our story starts. So giving you the background and history without being overly heavy handed and then he sings a song about it as well um he is probably my favorite character in
1: this same for multiple reasons uh first being he is very good looking the
0: overall look of his character is very uh, striking yeah
1: i i want to say that it's a toss up between him and amber sweet when it comes to or ooh, you know what? Like, Blind Mag actually like has some some really killer ensembles too, but he definitely like the overall aesthetic of this character is uh it's very goth and just it's very it's very aesthetically pleasing, we'll just put it that way. He
0: he also he <clears throat> tends to be almost like a Deus Ex Machina as well, you know, to really take the opera um You know, metaphor full circle because, you know, that's what used to happen at the end of these. It would be like, oh no, we're in this impossible situation. Oh, and like a random someone from the clouds would come down and save the protagonist of the story, which is literally where, you know, Deus Ex Machina (laughs) came from like the god in the machine. Like the god would just come down and it's like, oh, I'm about to fall in this volcano. Oh, no, you're not and come whisk you away to Valhalla or wherever you happen to be going. Um, he does that several times throughout. Like, sometimes you got to wonder if anyone else can actually see him. But, like, they clearly do because the first time he has an interaction with Shiloh, Roddy Largo's like, let them go. I think he's kind of on the Largo's payroll. He's uh, like the main gist of the story is uh, surgery becomes uh, like cosmetic it's, surgery becomes well, like a, the new addiction the new way to
1: like the opening song says industrialization has crippled the globe so the human race is all but extinct at this point and in order to survive uh, people have these surgeries now that
0: It's not that they're extinct. It's some plague ravaged the country, the the world, and Gene Co. came up with, like, synthetic organs.
1: Right, but it's, it's, you know, they came up with this initially to help preserve the population, and then it turned, like most things, all good things become exploited.
0: Like it says in the opening motion comic, uh, surgery as a fashion statement. Yes. Like, but he makes the great point in the opening, like your designer heart still beats with common blood. Like you can change as many things as you want about yourself, but you're still that person. Like swap out your lungs and your livers and your bladders and your hearts, but you're still that same person. Like just because you look good on the outside, your inside may not match. So like that's kind of the, the gist of his opening I don't know, what what is like it's not a monologue. Singologue.
1: It's well it's it's exposition. Yeah. It's I'm singing to you the backstory of how we ended up in this situation. And why
0: what's going on with our characters you're about to meet.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But I do think you're on to something with the fact that Grave Robber is on the uh, Largo's payroll because he is Amber Sweet's dealer.
0: And he is always. And what does he deal? Zydrate. Zydrate. Zydrate comes. Oh, I was going to let you finish. Zydrate comes in a little glass vial. A
1: little glass vial?
0: A little glass vial. And the, Z- and the Zydrate vial goes into the gun, gun like, like a battery. battery.
1: And the zydrate and gun goes somewhere, somewhere against your anatomy. anatomy. And when the gun goes off it Sweet sparks is ready and you're for ready a for surgery. surgery. So what it is is it's a highly addictive painkiller that uh, better than morphine, better than anything the world has ever seen. It's a numbing and, agent
0: that also gets you high but keeps you awake. And I I just before you get too far, I just want to mm-hmm. throw in the uh, surgeries it's not like oh I need to do this surgery and I need to recover for weeks and weeks and weeks no like Amber Sweet has a surgery during the middle of the day and then performs in a show later well
1: then. she may have wanted to allow herself to heal right. just a little bit longer
0: but like she got a new face and a few hours later was performing like Surgeries do not take weeks and months to heal anymore. It's hours.
1: Well, I think that's part of the power of Zydrate, too. Yes. Almost gives you these Wolverine like healing abilities.
0: Um Yeah, it's it's uh
1: And there's a couple of ways you can get it. So, you know, it's uh administered to you by gene co and of course because it comes from gene co it's very expensive which you know not everyone can afford it so there's you know illegal black market zydrate which is taken
0: directly
1: from corpses yes
0: and that's what I was exactly
1: right. saying that is what grave robber <laughs> Hence and I'm so I read an article in trying to you know get some more backstory information um so my question was how like do these corpses produce zydrate? xydrate is it something because of the industrialization of everything that um it's like a byproduct of of the atmosphere that you know once you pass on your corpse produces xydrate or were all of these corpses shot up with so much xydrate that it's just extra xydrate? You know, it's like you're you're uh, taking
0: I mean, he extracts back the Zydrate. It, it's almost like he's taking it out of a specific gland because he takes the xydrate gun and shoves it up the corpse's yeah, nose. Yeah,
1: it's almost like it's uh, located in their sinus cavity.
0: I was thinking or
1: further, maybe even further like, yeah. up, like
0: frontal lobe, like wherever the... Uh, zones are. I again, the frontal lobe. I believe is where like your pain and, and pleasure sensors are, like the way you perceive the like, which is why you would get a frontal lobotomy, when they wanted to basically turn you into a, a vegetable in a in an asylum. Um, I definitely think it has something to do with the environment, but what uh, GeneCo cells or what they offer for their, uh, licensed Zydrate dealers is not like, this is the pure shit. What they offer is like a toned down version that does not, um, it doesn't have the same effects. Like it still, it still works, but it's not like direct from the source.
1: Right, which is why Amber Sweet is addicted to the illegal black market Zydrate. Yes, and Because like, that's the stuff huge... that her family, you know, uh, sells is not strong enough for her. Because She's Homegirl to is it. an addict.
0: Yes, everybody is like addicted to surgery now. Like, that's their thing. They're addicted to it. And I don't think it's so much that they're addicted to the surgery. They're addicted to Zydrate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, again, part of his deal is he goes and spreads the uh, the the uh, unrefined, we'll call it, Zydrate. And think of it, uh, I I kind of th- I'm try I was trying to come up with like a metaphor for it. I was thinking tobacco, like tobacco taken right out of a field. And you like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago when it was grown and smoked right out of the field, uh, or people who cultivate their own pot is so much different from like, I'm going to buy even like a pouch of tobacco, you know, certainly not a cigarette. Like, there's so much added to it along the way. I
1: was going to say, yeah, a, um, a house made, hand rolled cigarette.
0: Like, you grow your own tobacco.
1: It's way different than a cigarette that you go and purchase in the stores. Right.
0: You're in a field in North Carolina, and, you know, you pick and dry and roll your own. That's going to be so different from a pack of cigarettes. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there's no filter, there's no tar, there's no all these additional additives like that
1: fiberglass and all the other bullshit, yeah, all the yeah. stuff
0: that makes it addictive, right? Like it's just a plant. So, like, there's I and I think that's kind of how it is with the zydrate. Like, it's a uh, it's a naturally occurring. It's you know, like adrenaline or you know something like that. It's some definitely something that gets you high but it's it's not something that was normally produced until all these organ failures like I think this is a, a side effect and again I'm trying to come up with like a similar type of uh, metaphor for like okay once this thing dies we harvest it and then use it for whatever but we can only get it after this thing dies you know whatever it happens to be so uh, I definitely think that you're, you're onto something there that it's a result of this. Like, cause we look at the city that they have. I mean, there's no very few vehicles. The only vehicle we see is Roddy Largo and he's like a trillionaire and garbage trucks. Like mm-hmm. normal people do not drive around in cars or, or motorcycles or there's, like blimps or drones, but it's mainly just to talk about the opera. Like that's the only form of entertainment is the opera.
1: That is controlled by Ginko. Like the right. whole thing is that Ginko controls everything. It's more than just a conglomerate at this point. It's like it's... the Umbrella
0: Company or... Yeah,
1: yeah. And we don't even know. Uh, it, it's really ingrained into the politics too. Like yeah. Ginko runs everything. You know, there aren't politicians. It's Jinko. You know, it's... Uh, Ginko controls the entire... For all we know, the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, we only see this... We don't even know where this city is. Like, this could be literally any large... It could be L.A., it could be New York, it could be Houston. You know, we don't it's know. Just,
1: it's just something that's mostly in ruins at this point. This post-apocalyptic, just wasteland.
0: Everything uh, is very dark in- and gray. Yeah, and very
1: industrialized.
0: And- even more so, it's... I would say it's halfway between Blade Runner and WALL-E. Like... Yeah. At least with yeah. Blade Runner, there are cars and there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of people everywhere and there's like restaurants and electricity and like with this, it's like there's higher end technology, obviously like Mag's eyes, which we'll get into and like customizable designer organs, you know, spines that have
1: barcodes, barcodes on
0: them. Um and, you know, like, the watches they wear that, you know, very similar to, like, an Apple Watch or a Samsung Gear, but it projects a hologram. It's rather hologram. James
1: Bond-esque.
0: It projects a hologram, a rotating hologram of whoever is talking to you. And, like, you hear their voice very clearly. Um, but there's really, like, that's the only communication device. Like, you don't see phones. You don't see... I mean, you have the blimps and shit like I was talking about, but I think they're unmanned drones just, again, talking about the opera. Like, that's well, all it's, it is. It
1: all, you know, kind of they live. You know, sell, consume,
0: mm. buy... There's definitely a, a vibe of They Live, which I am surprised you brought up because you haven't seen it.
1: I know the <laughs> pop culture references, okay? And I know the story it's based
0: on. That's true, with uh, Nada, yes.
1: So, you know, just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean I can't, you know, reference it.
0: No, I know, but it's just that's Aliens, so it's a little different. This isn't Aliens, this is just...
1: No, but still, like, no, it's, I, it's that type of environment, though, where it's, you know, subliminal, like, you want to be spends, like this, like buy this, consume. Yeah, they,
0: they I wouldn't even say subliminal, because it's, everybody's just doing the same thing, like, society has kind of regressed to, like, circus sideshow-type environment for their entertainment, and all the technology, all the innovation has gone to this surgical addiction and like nothing, like there's no other technological advances that have Like the air quality is terrible. Like it's all gray and Brown and there's really never any sun. Like you can't tell when day starts and night ends. Like it seems like it's perpetual twilight all the time. And, Like, there's just no desire to innovate anything except for new surgical techniques, um, new uh, flashier designer organs. You know, like, we hear songs and, and stories of people who are like, you know, this is what I needed. And so I needed a new kidney or a new liver or whatever. But, like, I didn't stop there and I got a new face and, you know... You know, boobs and like all this other stuff. Like, I got what I needed because I was dying, and then I was like, "Well, while I'm here, might well, as well get the combo package." Like, and package.
1: there's the there's the woman who's like, "Oh, I can drink whatever I want because this liquor shot, I can get a new one." You know, it's like there there aren't any repercussions for overindulgence.
0: There's it's definitely a hedonistic society. Yes like you know with that one guy like the bigger guy it's like before Gene co my anatomy was in t- you know completely repressed and it's like this is a guy who's like i'm going to eat and drink and do whatever i want mm-hmm. like you know the girl who got her first surgery at 13 and a week later was a prostitute
1: yeah turning tricks for zydrate
0: yeah for zydrate to get more surgeries mm-hmm. like and that was it and like that's all they wanted to do so it's it's wild um but that's but the grave robber side of it.
1: Yeah, and this film as a whole, the music, the aesthetic, it is so delightfully early two thousands.
0: It really it's like if Tim Burton was like, I wanna make an like a hard R rated movie. Cause it's got the it's like darker Tim Burton. Like because it's got that whimsy and like gothic like aesthetic going on but it's like imagine if like a like Tim Burton's Gotham City didn't have Batman and like the crime lords took over and just ran it into the fucking ground Mm. you know like Willy Wonka didn't make candy he made industrial sludge
1: but not only that the music Itself, like the music has this, you know, uh, early 2000s melodic metal quality about it.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of like heavy guitar, a lot of like, not quite, it's past grunge, past alternative, but not quite like. Not quite as, like, hard as, like, a corn. I
1: was say, not as, like, industrial as uh, Trent Reznor or a Marilyn Manson. No. But it kind of fits into that category. I love the music of this film. I think it is so well done. uh, Catchy as fuck. And just so well written, too, because it does a really good job of explaining where they're at in the story.
0: And I think that... Uh, I want to move on from Grave Rubber because we got that perspective out of the way. So let's move on to his opposite side because one of the things that we were told when talking to the cast is one of the most unlikeliest, uh, you know, lovely singing voices came from Paul Sorvino, who normally is like fucking gangster movie.
1: So we were told this story that uh, the cast would have, like, these big Sunday dinners, and at the head of the table would be Paul Sorvino, and he would just sing, and everyone would listen, and apparently he is just one of the nicest people, and everyone who we spoke to about, you know, who they worked with, you know, the, the cast and the crew, had nothing but just phenomenal things to say about Paul.
0: And he would just randomly break out into be like, like, randomly, because he enjoyed it so much.
1: Yeah, because I guess singing was something that he liked to do, uh, but didn't have the opportunity to do it often, especially on camera. So the fact that he was able to do it and and a lot of the singing, too. I mean, obviously, it's pre-recorded and whatnot, but... There are certain scenes between characters where they're singing at each other versus having like spoken dialogue and you can tell that it's it's live like they're singing right in front of you know it, it's not pre-recorded it's, it's not, not autotuned it's not any of that they're 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 right there and they're singing and he has such a delightful singing voice a nice vibrato as well like it's it's exactly what you would Expect him you know a man of his Stature to to sound like but Yeah you have Roddy Largo who is this larger than life Character the father figure the head the, the the patriarch of The Largo family the patriarch Of Geneco who created This company out of nothing You know and grew It to be the conglomerate that it You know it is in the film um, You know And they're trying to show you, because you do get to see a little bit of his backstory. Um, His backstory stems from heartbreak. That's part of the reason why he is the person that he is today. And you learn that he was head over heels, madly in love with this woman named Marnie. And they were to be wed... And he was going to spend, you know, not the mother of his children. He has three kids and we will get into that. Oh boy, will we get into that? But um, fell in love with this woman. He wanted to spend the rest of his life with her. And she meets and falls in love with somebody else and leaves poor Roddy Largo to rot. And he took that personally. And he makes it his life's mission to uh, get back at her.
0: Yes. And does it in like the sneakiest, most underhanded way possible.
1: Definitely kind of like a, it reminds me of a crime boss.
0: Oh, he! I mean, he absolutely. In the the is. mafia
1: vibes are are there, and he does it in this this way. And that, it's not just uh, because he
0: has a very Italian name.
1: No, but it's just in, in the demeanor and the the character design and whatnot, and the fact that he has these people following him, and pretty much all he has to do is just you know snap his fingers, and shit happens.
0: Not even that. Like he just has to kind of look like. When he. The the
1: scene with the doctor. I was going to
0: say, when he kills the doctor that gives him his diagnosis, (laughs) like, yeah, you have, like, days.
1: Yeah, so Roddy Largo is dying from cancer. uh, And his whole thing is, I can save the world, but I can't even save myself.
0: I can save the world, but I cannot stop my own extinction. But I can go out with a bang. Yes. Yeah. And we learn
1: that. he kills Marnie, his past beloved.
0: But makes it seem but like But makes it Nathan seem like,
1: yeah, and we're going to talk about Nathan in a moment. And
0: then uses that, like, oh, you killed your wife. Don't worry. I'll save you. I'll protect you from going to jail. You just need to become a repo man for me. And then, like, he lives his life, like, doing... Kind of, like,
1: eternally bound to... Roddy Largo. It's
0: indentured servitude. Yes. And he just does whatever, you know, Roddy says jump, he asks how high. Like, that's just...
1: Much to his chagrin.
0: Oh, he hates it. He does. He's a doctor, but he's forced well, to repossess organs.
1: He hates it, but he also loves it. Or maybe he's grown to love it like i think i think he hates the fact let's get that into he that enjoys in a minute this. okay
0: let's finish okay. tracking it because i have a very specific observation about nathan wallace that i want to get into but
1: he's only living out a lie
0: he is only living out a lie um but the the other thing is like nathan wallace was basically being groomed to be roddy's replacement you know, he's roughly the same age as his children, which is weird, um, especially because Marnie was probably 20, 30 years younger than him, um, especially when you think that uh, Shiloh is, what, 16 Seventeen. 17? They sing a whole she, fucking say, song she about it. She sings
1: a whole song about it and Joan Jett appears in her closet like
0: Yes, she sings a whole a whole song about how she's seventeen and it's better than forty. So if she's forty or he's he's forty and she's seventeen, so he was twenty three and Marnie was roughly the same age. I still don't understand how that dynamic between uh, her and Roddy would work, because Roddy's gotta be Double that, not. He was probably forty-five.
1: It happens.
0: I know, but like you know, it's like oh, I have this big doughy guy, or his uh, hot young uh, up-and-coming guy that's going to replace him. That's the guy I'm going with. So, like, he kind of did it to himself. It's like, hey, it's kind of like the Don Bot from uh, from uh, Futurama when. He asks Bender to bring his wife home while Bender's been cheating on... Uh, she's been cheating on him with, with Bender. He's like, oh, here, drive drive my car home. Take my wife home. Oh, but it's a self-driving car, so just sit in the backseat and do whatever. You know, like... He uh, he kind of set himself up for that. At least that's the way I look at it. Like, And also, I don't know much about who Roddy Largo was before. I only know who he is now.
1: Yeah, we don't necessarily know what it took. We don't know uh, if he was took,
0: a dick back then. Yeah, we
1: don't know what it took to grow his empire. We just know that he built it himself and he worked really hard. He said he built that, this
0: city on rock and roll.
1: That too, yes. Um, you know, and he's in the process of losing His fight against you know we assume it's cancer um and he's looking to name an heir and he's so unbelievably just disgusted with his own children so he looks elsewhere to find the potential new head of jinko
0: yeah and he's got to figure out how to do it and the only um
1: well and this is you know This is a not only did nearly two
0: decade long plan.
1: Nathan Wallace's life a living hell by killing Marnie and then pretty much enslaving Nathan to his own will. And they all treat
0: him like shit.
1: Um, and he's like the head repo man too, so he gets to do pretty much all of the dirty work. Uh, but behind his back they call him
0: creepy reepy. They, he tries to
1: enlist his only daughter and use her against him. Yes, as that's Roddy's final final act. Final act.
0: And he's like, "All you have to do to get Jean Co, kill your dad."
1: Well, and then so now we have to talk about Shiloh and Nathan.
0: All right, start with so, Shiloh.
1: Shiloh, she's seventeen because she sang a song about it. And Joan Jet was in her closet which I wish Joan Jett was in my closet. Um, But anyways, she's the only daughter of Nathan Wallace and Marnie, who was Roddy's ex-lover. It is... It it appears that Shiloh is very sick. She has some sort of blood disease. She's not supposed to go outside. She's not supposed to be in the the contaminated air. Um, She's pretty much confined to the house specifically her bedroom she's not supposed to go outside she's not supposed to do a lot of things and uh, she's growing up and she's becoming a lot more curious about the world and what's around her and whatnot and when we uh, meet her she has escaped from the house and is visiting her mother's tomb
0: after and then chases a bug
1: well yeah because she's like learning about things bugs and etymology and whatnot. But, uh, um, yeah, and, and, and we learn that, you know, she has this rare blood disease that apparently they believe that her mother, oh, she's told that her mother had, and that's what killed her mother. But we know that it was Roddy who poisoned her.
0: Roddy poisoned her medication so that when... He gave it to Marnie. It killed her, and he had a choice of saving Marnie or
1: Shiloh. Shiloh. And he saved Shiloh and yeah so it's a it's a whole thing I will give this film credit though there's a lot going on and they actually do a really beautiful job of of mapping everything out for you and you learn things when you're supposed to learn things and there's not a lot of I mean there is a lot of exposition but it's not uh, it's not cluttered it's not you know it doesn't they do a lot better job of explaining things than we're doing right now well they had a script
0: to go by (laughs) like they had a script and Like they rehearsed.
1: So so you have Nathan and Shiloh Wallace and Nathan is the father and he's trying to be the good father and care for Shiloh. And he's keeping her safe the only way that he knows how. And he feels that, you know, by poisoning her, which that's what he's doing. Low doses of of poison, which create this blood disease like symptoms. Requires
0: her to take a medication to counteract it. Like he gives her one thing. Or I think the, the combination of pills she takes, like pills she takes in the morning puts the symptoms into, into effect, and then she takes the pills in the evening, and that counteracts what she took earlier in the day. Yeah. So it's a constant state of feeling sick until she takes this pill. Oh, I feel much better. Now I can go to bed. Wake up feeling like shit, take your pill. Oh, I'm having another bad day. Until you take the second, pe- like it's just a constant cycle, and
1: it's, right? And and you know, according to to Nathan, you know, that's the only way he can be a good father. That's the only way he could be there for her is to keep her confined to the walls of, of her bedroom.
0: Yeah, because he doesn't want her going out. He thinks the 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 world, the world outside is, it's is dangerous.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: he's not wrong. Like, as soon as she goes... out, She goes outside for five minutes, and the next thing, she's trying to kill him. Like...
1: Well, she also has no clue that he's a repo man.
0: Right, because he kind of... He's just like, I'm a night that. surgeon. Yes, and they, he sings a song about being a night surgeon and how his job is thankless. Uh, like a mop or a broom, no one likes a thankless job. Um, but she doesn't understand... Mainly because she doesn't know, but this is one of those one of those situations where a simple conversation could have cleared everything up. How many movies, this is a typical trope, but how many movies have you seen? It's like, why didn't you just tell me that? Because I was trying to protect you. And because it's like,
1: I needed to drive the plot.
0: But it's like, you didn't tell me, so therefore I went out to explore on my own because I didn't have all the information. And because I went out... Tragic things happen. That's what this is like. That's just.
1: But I think the fact that they make her a teenage girl—you know, she just turned seventeen—impulsive, uh, flighty, she, rebellious. Yup. You know, it's 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 a it's the teenage girl trope. Which is an actual trope because I I once was a teenage girl and, you know, I'm watching this and thinking to myself, yep, you know, I was a little shit and I know a lot of other teenage go- girls that were little shits too. So, you know, it just, it, it, it happens.
0: Yeah. And, you know, especially where, you know, Nathan's not able to be around and obviously Roddy can manipulate the situation to his benefit. I need Nathan out of the house. Oh, boy, I hope there's a repossession soon. Oh, hey, would you look at that? Hey, Nathan, uh, I need you to go to the other side of town and take care of something. I definitely won't take my car over to your house and bring your daughter places and show her all the stuff that she can't have and then give her some things and... Introduce her to Blind Mag, who's the only fucking celebrity that doesn't work for Gene Co.
1: And just, you know, it just so happens that Blind Mag was Marnie's best friend and come to find out Blind Mag is Shiloh's godmother.
0: Yeah, like, again, who very got, Who didn't know,
1: who did not know that Shiloh had survived. She thought that the both of them had passed. Which, because obviously again, like Marnie passed when Shiloh was in utero, so like that's a that's a whole thing. Yeah, um, it was like she yeah, was yeah. like eight
0: months pregnant.
1: Uh so so yeah, so there's that whole thing too, and it's like Nathan, why did you keep her from me? I promised Marnie that I would take care of her and do all the things, and Nathan's like, no,
0: yeah, no. What, just just like
1: that. No. What
0: could you possibly have provided her, world famous singing lady, who is again the only fucking celebrity in the world, or at least the world that we see? Like everybody knows who the Largos well, are. It's but because like,
1: Jinko owns, owns her.
0: Right. Again, she signed a a lifelong contract because they replaced her eyes with super fun eyes that play all of your memories as projections which i don't i guess there could be some like i would watch a movie and then like i could show it afterwards like i can watch all the simpsons like outside of being in my head like i could project them like...
1: That's exactly what we need from you. More Simpsons references. I would, I would have
0: people come over and be like, oh, you want to see the movie I just watched? Like, you know, then i just project it. With audio! With audio! Like, because when I think of eyeballs, the first thing I think is sound. So, like, that's some wild shit. Like, I don't know... Anyways, um, it's weird. But... This is, it's almost Shakespearean in the way that everything kind of cycles around and everybody, we get to see, again, this is very similar to Clue's ending where there's like 97 different endings. We get to each see, we get to see Nathan and Marnie. We get to see, uh, uh, Rotty and and Marnie. We get to see Mag and Marnie. Like Marnie's the main fucking character and she's been dead for 17 years. So, that'll move us on to Nathan. Now, Nathan uh, is a duality. Nathan is a father, but he is also, like, a repo man who, again, legal assassin, all that good stuff. I mean, like, there's even a, a line where he's... He's like growling something about wanting to kill Roddy. And it's like, well, I'll make Roddy pay. What did you say, Dad? Nothing, Shiloh, nothing. Go to bed. It's okay. So. The casting anthony stewart head who apparently was in buffy Buffy the vampire which i never watched
1: um and that's how he got the job so apparently again i haven't watched it i need to i'm gonna get on it i promise um there were there was at least one if not multiple musical episodes of of buffy and he sang in those episodes and that's what got the attention like that's what they knew him from and whatnot so they wanted him for this role and um shiloh was played by spy kid alexa vega
0: yeah um he in this movie and i've made this observation before but it's not on this show but it was many many years ago he is uh very much clark Kenton superman when he has his glasses on and his in his nice cozy sweater, he's Nathan Wallace. He's he's Marnie's dad. The doctor. He's
1: not Marnie's dad. He's Shiloh's dad. Shiloh's
0: dad. You know that who would I be meant. weird. I'm sleepy. Talk
1: about a whole That's thing. a whole
0: different thing. Um but he takes his glasses off puts on his costume, and he becomes the Repo Man, legal assassin, like, and he talks in a gravelly, growly voice, and, you know, maybe more Batman, but the the glasses thing, you know what I'm saying, like, it's his dual identity, never letting the two meet each other. Shiloh doesn't know he's a Repo Man, and she just knows him as a doctor, which he is. He's a very talented night surgeon. um, And he is basically uh, a mercenary for the Largo family. He goes and takes back Gene Co's property from people who are 90 days delinquent. They even say that 90 days delinquent gets you repo treatment. Um, That's just the way it is. But... uh, He does have a couple of moments of crossing back and forth where the personalities are in conflict with each other. One being when he slaps the shit out of Shiloh, when she's singing the, you know, Seventeen song.
1: Because she says, Daddy's girl's a fucking monster.
0: And he's like, oh yeah, smack! Now who's a monster? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Shiloh, I didn't mean to slap the piss out of you. Um, also, the three-way conversation sing, sing-off sing between him, Shiloh, and blind Mag when Mag just randomly shows up to the house. Uh,
1: well, it's not random, though, because Roddy had Shiloh out during the day, <coughs> was like, hey, I have... Sa- Again, planting seeds, mm-hmm. that sly little Roddy Largo. Um, introduces shiloh to blind mag he's like oh i have someone you should meet he she knew your mother and of course shiloh's gonna be like oh, really um so and, and then obviously blind mag thought shiloh was dead it was like i thought i saw a ghost because you look just like your mother and she really doesn't whole she didn't look thing. like her mom well Again, it's it's a whole thing. It's
0: To be fair, she only saw Marnie while she was blind. So,
1: no. <laughs> <She didn't. laughs>
0: <coughs> you can forgive her for not for missing subtlety in someone's appearance with a name like Blind Mag. Um But, yeah, Nathan's duality of character, I I know I keep using that word, but, like, it's really... That's who he is. Like, he is... Nathan and the Repo Man are two totally different entities occupying the same body, and it's like the Hulk. He's doing his best to keep one separate from the other because he knows that the knowledge of one can ruin the other. Like, if... Like, when... You know, uh, Shiloh comes to him and she I still don't think she quite understood what repo men do, because she's like, we have to save Mag and let's stop the repo man. And he's like, he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. You need to stop this.
1: Yeah but because she didn't know what she was talking had about she had he she, just taken 5 minutes right but she sees oh this person who i've watched from afar for so long who you know apparently i'm supposed to have a relationship with because this person had a relationship with my mother you know yeah. and you kept her from me dad like she is in trouble we need to save her
0: but this was again one of those um One of those things like, I did it to protect you because he wanted to keep her as far away from Roddy Largo as possible. Just because he knew
1: who Roddy is. Right. And in the process of doing so, drove her right into the arms of Roddy Largo.
0: Right. Because he kept her locked up in a room, a single room, and she's bald. Well,
1: yeah, because he's poisoning her.
0: Right. But, like, everybody always forgets that, and they only show it once. Like, she's bald. Like, that, you know, that's got to do a number on your self-esteem. Like...
1: I don't know. Patsy, does it do a number on your self-esteem?
0: I'm not a 17-year-old girl. Am I? I am not. And when I was 17, I had long, luxurious hair. I never got let it get too long, but, like... Like, Shemp Howard length was the longest it ever got. But to be fair, I used to always buzz my hair off because I thought it was a pain in the ass anyway. So now this just saves me time. But I can show you pictures of when I was younger and I had long hair. Long hair. Like, past my ears. Like, I would part it in the middle, down both sides. Because it was the late 90s, and that was the look.
1: Oh my God, you were a Backstreet boy.
0: No, I was more... You remember the, the, the video we saw of Michael? Yes. Similar to that, but the hair wasn't quite as long.
1: Did you want it that way?
0: Uh, I did. That's why it was that way. <laughs> so, But no, I was more like uh, Creed. I was all like, yeah! Oh, God. Uh, so, yeah. Well, let's get away from Creed now, and let's chat a little bit about Blind Mag. Before we talk about the kids... Uh, so we're we're gonna chat a little bit about Blind Mag because she uh, was clearly a very big part of uh, Roddy's final plan to kind of drive Shiloh away from Nathan. And you know, Roddy is the only one who knew all of the principal players in in uh, the plan. The kids had no idea. Uh, Nathan had no clue, even once it was too late, and they were like, oh, arrest the repo man, Nathan Wallace, and he just fucking kills everybody, which, again, makes the fact that Shiloh clocks him in the head with a goddamn shovel, like, that much more unbelievable. It's like you're fighting all these guys with guns, and all of a sudden, like, a little girl hits you with a shovel, and, like, that's what incapacitates you?
1: Yeah, but, like, it's his daughter, so he wasn't going to fight back against her. Right, but
0: that's what incapacitated him. Like, that's what...
1: I don't know. Have you ever been hit in the head with a shovel?
0: Yes. And I was not incapacitated. And it was not by a little 17-year-old girl. And I was not uh, a legal assassin in my legal assassin uh, outfit. I don't know. What do you call it? Uniform? Legal assassin-like costume? Because he had that fun, light-up helmet. Like, that's got to provide some sort of... Uh, you know, protection from getting hit in the head with a shovel by a 17-year-old girl. Um, but no, like, Roddy knew everything that was going on, and Meg, I think, was finally getting to the point where she was like, I can't do this anymore. I am literally the only celebrity in the world.
1: Well... I think she was kind of riddled with guilt at that point because Jean Co had used her. Like, she was the face of Gene Co. Like, you know, her eyes drew an audience mm-hmm. as well as her talents.
0: I mean, she, for those of you who don't know, Blind Mag was played by Sarah Brightman. I was
1: just going to say the casting of this was fantastic. A and
0: fucking legit opera singer. And
1: like, apparently, they had cast somebody else and that person dropped out. And Sarah Brightman, you know, came in and picked it up and did all this.
0: I mean, if you've ever seen like the, the, the what did she do, you, Memory from Cats?
1: I was going to say, if you've ever seen an Andrew Roy Lloyd Webber, because yes. she she was his longtime partner for a while. Yeah, she was um, in fucking you, everything. Uh, Phantom, Phantom of the Opera. Yep. Uh, I Cats. believe she was in Cats. Yeah, um, she played
0: Smorbledop the... Glorfington? I don't know. They all have weird names in that one. The very jellical.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> she you're all the most jellical. You shall be in my play. I don't know. I don't know if that's how Andrew Lloyd Webber sounds.
1: Uh, that sounds correct. Um, but, anyways, yeah, they were able to land Sarah fucking Brightman, who just brought so much gravity to this role, and, you know, partially due to the fact that she's. Sarah fucking Brightman. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's a way that she carries herself uh, just naturally, but that, you know, lent itself so well to this 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 role. Um, you really believe that she kind of has Jinko on her shoulders. And b- because she's the face of Jinko of and the voice of Jinko and they use her to kind of lure people in. Oh, we can't be bad. We have Blind Mag as our spokeswoman.
0: That's kind of mean. Like, that's like, you know, if you know, after breaking out of his braces, everybody called him Crippled Forrest Gump, like...
1: But they call her it's it's advertisement Blind Mag. She was blind. She couldn't see. But GeneCo gave her these now she's eyes got and now she can do more than just see.
0: She's got projector eyes. And
1: her life is so much better and now she is the voice of GeneCo. She is the face of GeneCo. Do you want to be the face of GeneCo?
0: You can't because it's Blind Mag.
1: Well, no, but it's like, you know, <laughs> you do you want to be the next face of GeneCo? No, like because you need to get surgeries. Because
0: they slice people's faces off and wear them.
1: Yes, they do that. But, you know, what I'm saying is it's all a marketing ploy for Right, them. again, she's and, the and, only celebrity in the right, world. Right, but, uh, that we know of. But she's riddled with guilt at this point. She can't do this anymore. It's not worth it to her. She sees, you know, what has become of her life what she's done and she's just not happy with herself she can no longer live with herself
0: we start off by seeing that you know her her farewell performance is coming up and then i think she was just going to slowly retire even though as long as she has the eyes gene co owns her but after everything that happens with Shiloh and Nathan and Rotty and...
1: She understands at that point that uh, the only way she's going to get out of this is by not being alive. Well,
0: that is, you know, the what I'm about to, to talk about, because the song that she sings is called Cromaggia. It is an Italian song, and she sings it in glorious Italian. Uh, it is about, it is uh, a lot of times in movies you'll have where uh, character names or songs or something that really represent who the character is. Like if you have a guy that, you know, that you he's an alien, but he's trying to influ- in, infiltrate into, you know, human society, his name's probably going to be like Hugh Man, you know? So it's like, oh... I am Hugh Man. Oh, well, no one who talks like that could be an evil, shape-shifting alien. Let's entrust him uh, to all our secrets. But the song that she sings, obviously there's a lot more subtlety with this, uh, is about a bird who has an arrow through its wing, and that arrow is tied. So the bird can fly, but it's tethered. In order to free itself from its bonds... It has to sacrifice itself. And if it flies as high and as far and as fast as it can, it will tear itself from this arrow that is pinning it to, the, to uh, or tethering it, but at the cost of its life. So her singing that song and ending with, come take these eyes, I would rather be blind, and pulling her own fucking eyes out? hmm Like, it makes sense, because that's literally what the song is. It's like, I'm trying to fly... I, and I only know this because, you know, when we were, like, super obsessed, or I was super obsessed with this movie, I wanted to know what chromagia was. I would research it, and I put the lyrics through Google Translate, and that's basically what it is, is the song from the bird's point of view it's like it's there to you know sing and and be a pet essentially it's a a uh, basically how mag was treated by Jean co is how this bird was treated and after a while it's just like nope i need to break free of this even if it costs me my life that's what happens it tears away and for one glorious moment it is free and it is uh making its own choice and then hits the ground and dies and that's what we see with blind mag and i think it's uh it's excellent and whoever decided to put that in there like whoever Put that. Side. That might have been her because she's obviously familiar with that stuff. Like that might have been her, you know, creative contribution. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. So, lastly, we we need to talk about the kids because the kids are not all right.
1: But they really make the film.
0: So we'll we'll end with Amber Sweet. Okay. So we have the three children. Uh, Luigi, Pavi, and Amber Sweet, who changed her name because she needed a stage name. Luigi has rage issues. And if you've ever seen anything Bill Mosley has ever done, uh, that.
1: That's (laughs) pretty much what it is. Like
0: somebody brings him coffee and he's like, what's this rat piss and stabs the guy to death. Uh, another guy's like, you want decaf? And he's like, I will shoot you in the face. Like, kills people left and right. Uh, there's always uh, a genturn, which is like the half-dressed uh, nurse girls that are attending to everyone's needs. I guess they're also surgeons, too, uh, that Gene co-employs. Um, there's always one following him around with like a clean shirt and tie because he's always getting blood on himself. Pavi Pavi enjoys uh, the movie the 1997 movie Face Off (laughs) um, and does that little like he will take people's faces and get them transplanted onto himself to the point where he has like brass clamps on various parts of his uh, skull so that they can just kind of put the new face on and kind of latch it into place so even if the face wouldn't quite fit him I uh, kind of get stretched out over his nostrils and mouth and eye holes and, and whatnot.
1: Well, it's because he is the most dashing and panty snatching of the Largos. He will
0: leave your diapers dripping. Um, so there's a big con, you know, conflict between the three kids over who, uh, Roddy will leave Gene Co. And like, they all think that they're, that they should, they should get it. They deserve it. um, There's some definite Lannister energy going on there. Mm. Uh, Especially where Pavi said, my brother and sister should fuck. Um... You know, Luigi claims to be the smartest and the toughest. Uh, He will find a hole and fuck it. If there ain't one, he will make one. Um... And... Pavi threatens to barf on his lungs. Um... They both think that they should get it, but then Amber Sweets thinks she should get it because she's, like, she wants to take over for Mag and, like, be the face of GeneCo. I mean, there's none of them. They're all fucking sociopaths. Well,
1: they're all terrible. Absolutely terrible.
0: Right, because there's, again, like, think... Like, I was trying to come up with, like, a real-world analog or even, like, a TV show based on the real-world analog. No, so... Uh, They're Joffrey Lannister.
1: No, they mm. are the Roy siblings. I was
0: going to say Succession, but these guys are way uh, fucking... No, wor-
1: no. The Roy siblings are terrible people, and I loved that show. Pavi I've takes people's faces and it. wears them. And, and the Roy siblings, well, Kendall... Technically,
0: murdered someone. So, um, but Luigi murders 12 people a day. Like, they're the cartoonish, ghoulish overkill of even like the cartoonish ghoulish because the Roys are like caricatures. Of those types right, of people. And like these the, guys are the cartoons.
1: The Roys are terrible people. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. Who is going to take over the family business? Who is dad going to leave the business to? And, you know, I'm not going to spoil it because the season did end. Uh, or I should say the series ended uh, not that long ago, if you haven't had a chance to check it out. But um, but it, it, the the ending of the series, oh my God, was so it was poetic justice. Um, really only one child is happy with the results. Uh, and it, it, yeah, it was, it was just so beautifully done. Uh, everyone kind of gets what they deserved. Um, but in, in this, so so it's kind of like the Roy siblings, you know, fighting over who deserves to be the sole heir of the company, you know, who's going to take over as, you know, CEO or COO or whatever, you know, the the term is, you know, of this company when their father passes away or when their father decides to step down, um, you know, and it's, it's the same thing. Like, and these kids are, are just arguing because they all feel that, you know, it can only be one and that one you know each of them believes that they're that one that sole heir that needs to uh, carry on the the largo name in ginko
0: yeah and they're all like none of them would have a, a a clue what to do because they don't have any business well, you know, acumen. Well, their exactly. whole thing it's, is,
1: it's, you know, it's the whole silver spoon thing, you know, Sometimes... so, I mean they're,
0: they're basically just, I'm going to act. They see their father doing things and they're like, well, I can do whatever I want. And there are no consequences for me ever because,
1: well, because people constantly clean up after these kids.
0: Roddy cleans up after them. Yes. Roddy would, you know, because he knew who these kids are, even though they're all, adults in at least their 30s, if not their 50s, which would make Roddy at least in his 70s, again, way older than Marnie, which would mean, I'm going to do some math here, uh, Shiloh is 17, Mm -hmm. so that would make him in his mid-50s. And that would make, even if Marnie is the exact same age as Nathan, that would have put her at 23 when Shiloh was born. And I believe they show her grave, but I don't remember how old she is. But just for the sake of argument, she's 40. When she dies. So that would mean he's 23 when Shiloh was born. And she was with Nathan for at least a couple of years before Shiloh was born. Which means that when he started courting her, Rotty was in his late 30s and she was in high school? No. If he has kids that are in his 50s.
1: Well, okay, who said they're in their 50s, though? You are just making assumptions.
0: I'm looking at Bill Mosley and, and Nivek Ogre at the time that this was made. If everybody just goes by their normal age.
1: Well, no one's going to go by their normal age, so... Well,
0: they should.
1: Okay, this is proving to be a pointless conversation right now. It doesn't make sense.
0: I'm just saying... He exercised his power in a way, and they, these kids would have seen well, this.
1: We we know that he was significantly older than Marnie. End of story. It doesn't no, no, matter no. exactly how, but, and, and but, we know no, that... No,
0: it's not pointless, because the kids, again, are seeing him behave this way, and they're trying to emulate him, even though they don't have his type of... Uh, business acumen
1: well they're not necessarily trying to emulate him they're trying to get his attention
0: right by doing like this is what dad would do in this situation this guy made me mad i killed him i see something i want i'm going to take it i deserve to get the things that i want because my last name is largo Give them to me, and I'm going to get them however I want, even if I have to do things outside of what's strictly legal. That's Luigi, Pavi, and Amber in order. Because she wants to get surgery, and he won't let her. So what does she do? She goes and gets uh, uncut xydrate and gets back alley surgery, and her face falls off. Because she's like, that surgery was only 90 grand. Like, why didn't you just let me do it? You know, like, I deserve it. I'm Amber Sweet. I'm your only girl. I'm the one you should be doting on. Luigi just kills anybody that makes him mad, which I am sure is something that he has seen his father do. And we know that because he killed the doctor who did nothing but, like, we tried everything. I did my best. Unfortunately, it's far too advanced. There's nothing we can do. He gets murdered for that. You know, so they're they're emulating him in that way. Not exactly what he does, but what they think he would do in a specific situation. That's oh, so the do point you think that, that his make. father's
1: womanizing ways is what influenced Pavi?
0: I mean, he's constantly surrounded by... Uh, women who are his bodyguard, but, like, not dressed like bodyguards. All the turns. Again, you have free reign to do whatever you want. And again, we don't know much about who he was prior to Shiloh's birth. But I have to imagine that the vindictive, vengeful wrath that he brings down upon Nathan Wallace has to mirror how he became the God Emperor of Co. that he is. I mean, think about it. How often do you think somebody could get away with the level of atrocities that... The very public atrocities that his kids commit on a daily basis. Like, What's the biggest law, like the biggest violation you could have? Unlicensed Zydrate. Like, that's the biggest fucking thing. And really, no more than because it eats into Geneco's profit margin. Although, you would think that he'd want people to do that because they go and they get bad surgeries, and now they have to go get that fixed, and only the Geneco doctors are skilled enough to do it. So, which again, brings me back to, I think, grave robbers on the payroll, but he's, he's that guy. Like we saw what he did because someone took something of his, his property. This is something he wanted, but somebody else took that away from him. So he's going to take it back. By any means necessary. He even tells Shiloh, you would have been mine. You and your, you know, I, I was, they refer to them as two lovers. That was Marnie was his. He even said Nathan Wallace had potential until he stole my Marnie away. She doesn't, he doesn't look at Marnie as a person making her own decisions He looks at her as, she was mine, he took her from me. He views her as property, just like everything else. And that's what influenced his kids. And they saw that because they're all significantly older than Shiloh. So they were at an impressionable uh, age when he's doing all these things. He's seeing how... because I'm sure behind the scenes he was very calm and collected, and never, never got mad about Nathan, and never raged to him, a, a raged about him to his kids during their formative years. But that's my take on it. And I know you want to talk about Amber because she's like your favorite.
1: I just love this character, and I love the casting of Paris Hilton as this character too. And I guess you know when it came. Paris Hilton wanted this role and they were hesitant to cast her because of who she is. She's Paris Hilton. You know, there's a lot of, um, especially during this time, you know, the early two thousands, there were, there were a lot of things, you know, kind of surrounding who Paris Hilton was, you know, the, the hotel heiress and all this other stuff. Um,
0: the show she had with Nicole Richie, oh, the simple life. And
1: you know, that's hot and all that other stuff. And you know, if you're interested, there is a documentary that came out a couple of years ago. I forget what it's called, but it's all about Paris Hilton and it's kind of, you know, in her own words and stuff like that. And um Not
0: to be confused with A Night in Paris, which is uh, not a documentary. No,
1: but, but that that's... came out around
0: the same time. No. 2008 around I'm talking about like the the
1: uh, That came out like earlier.
0: Oh, but I mean like but that helped well, Form I public opinion.
1: wasn't even going to bring that up because that's stupid. What I'm trying to talk about is this documentary that came out a couple of years ago that really humanizes Paris Hilton as a person. She dropped the fake voice; she was putting on the like, uh, kind of like the the Marilyn Monroe dumb blonde act. It was all a facade. She's a lot smarter than she lets people to believe. Anyways, um, she really wanted this role and you know uh i think this was before house of wax i don't think she had done much acting at this point uh
0: i think house of wax was oh five but i'm not okay so maybe um i'm gonna look it up
1: and she had also uh had a brief pop career where she sang and stuff like that so um
0: 2005
1: okay okay so she had done house of wax uh she wanted to do some more acting she wanted to do something you know uh to kind of prove that she's worthy of the attention that she gets and she wanted to work and she wanted to work hard and so she really 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 vied for this role and you know she auditioned and she got it she also um all of the costumes are from her own wardrobe the wigs and stuff that she wears that's all she supplied herself she took a pay cut um she really 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 wanted to be a part of this project and apparently she was very professional she showed up on time she did what she was supposed to do which is more than what some people can say about other people so she took it very seriously and people were very impressed by you know her tact and her work ethic and stuff um
0: i was gonna say, uh- uh- Coming into this, like we were talking about like some of her fil- filmography, she had an episode on Veronica Mars, she did House of R- Wax, the Carl's Jr. commercial, Snakes on a Plane, uh, her music videos, um, The Hottie and the Naughty, um, My Name is Earl, so nothing that would endear her to people is what i'm saying
1: yeah so they originally refused to hold an audition for paris because they didn't think that she would be capable and feared media backlash or accusations of stunt casting uh Bausman finally caved paris came to the audition dressed perfectly for the part and rocked the sound booth audition after the audition he was convinced that she should play the role Uh, She was also so passionate about the film being made that when production was going to be halted due to the budget going over uh, by 50 grand, Hilton made a paid appearance at a nightclub for that sum to make up the difference and kept film filming going,
0: which to be fair to her. She crushes this role.
1: Well, it's almost like it was written specifically for her. And you're watching it and you're like, well, this really isn't, you know, from what we knew at the time, it's like, oh, it's almost like she's playing herself. Yeah, very stereotypical. She was not because she's more than, again, the Paris Hilton facade that she lets you to believe. It's almost like a character to her at this point. Um, but I thought that it was just perfect. It was so perfect and there's this kind of almost like um blase quality to the character because she's just stoned and out of it most of the time that paris did so well like it was almost effortless uh and the zydrate scene where, you know, Grave Robber is explaining to Shiloh in the middle of the street what Zydrate is. And they're hanging out at the, you know, back alley Zydrate den, you know, and that's where Amber Sweet shows up. <laughs> the dumpster. Up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the Zydrate dumpster. Um, you know, I just think that she fit in so well with everybody else playing their part. And it's really apparent the professionalism that she brought to the table when when portraying this character.
0: Yeah, like, she she did such a good job. Like, it was easy for her to kind of fit that stereotypical role. And I'm role, sure
1: because but... of her background and where she comes from and the experiences that she had at a young age, she was able to kind of tap into that for, you know, inspiration, so to speak.
0: Well, I was going to say... The, who she is like you're saying like the the with the documentary that came out and everything like who she is throughout most of the film up until the end like that last scene with her and her brothers when she's like I'm gonna be taking over I'm gonna be running it like that's the the only term I can come up with hashtag boss babe like she's like whatever she did, like, behind the scenes to talk her brothers out of fighting each other and everyone being at each other's throat to kind of, uh, like, who would be the successor to, I'm going to run everything. You guys, if, if I have you behind me, like, we'll be unstoppable. Like, you know, like, if we pool our talents... But like, have me be well, the face, right?
1: Because she shows up, she has Mag's she eyes. She has Mag's eyes, and she's like, you know, I'm the new face of
0: Gene Co. And the face that she lost during the performance before Mag retired was auctioned off for charity. Pavi wins the auction after uh, Luigi, Luigi kills, kills the, the, top f- two, yes. the top two. the uh, top two bidders, and then he now wears wears her her face. face. Yes. So that's literally the new face of Jinko. Jinko got a facelift, literally. Yes. And I'm still waiting for my sequel.
1: So apparently this was supposed to be a trilogy. We were supposed to get a prequel and a sequel.
0: But instead we got...
1: um, Well, we got The Devil's Carnival. Devil's Carnival, yeah. uh, Which was interesting, but it didn't have the same... I don't know it, it it didn't have the same story, It didn't have the same vibe, it didn't have the same you know just just it was almost like lightning in a bottle repo. Um and I think if they had stuck with that storyline, you know, they could have made two other films um and both of those films could have been relatively successful. Uh Repo the Genetic Opera has kind of become this uh underground cult film. Much like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, there are midnight showings. There are shadow casts that take yep. place, and um, sometimes it's
0: the same people that do the. Uh...
1: Yeah, like the 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 uh, shadow cast groups.
0: Yeah, like I would say, like it's the they'll do both um, Rocky Horror and this. Like there was a, a group at um, what was one of the cons? Uh, Super Mega Fest they were doing it and like we had just seen like the same well i mean troop. they
1: do shadow casts of everything they do shadow casts of like episodes of buffy the vampire slayer no i just mean so, like it's the same people well yeah they're they this is what they do they do shadow yeah. casts of films and but television like that was the first time i'd
0: known um, about that
1: but anyway so this is really you know especially over the past 15 years um really made a name for itself in the horror community. I know a lot of people who, you know, love 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 horror, super bloody, you know, the the main stuff. And when you bring up Repo, they're like, "Oh, I love that film." You know, it's something that we don't really talk about often, but holds a special place in our hearts. And like I said, you know, it has this cult following now, similar to Rocky Horror. You know, it took Rocky Horror a long time to build up momentum. You know, it came out in 75 and it completely tanked and it wasn't until they started you know showing it at midnight because the cinemas were like well we have this film you know we need to show it when are we going to show it well i guess we'll show it at midnight and that's when all the weirdos showed up and hence you know the the midnight showing shadowcast experience with the shit bags and everything was was born um and several films have followed suit like uh, Repo. so um yeah, I love it, and you know we hadn't watched it in a hot minute, so it was nice to revisit it and stuff. And the music, ah, oh, I love the music. I think Zydrate Anatomy is my favorite, um, just because the, it's just so good. It's like very the, the, catchy.
0: The bass line is really, really good. You know,
1: and like the, ca- the the catch and release of it too. Like it's just it's it's so good.
0: Yeah, I think for me, it's still legal, legal assassin. assassin. But Thankless Job is great, if only for the visual at the end where he puts his hand up into the guy's mouth and starts like operating puppet. him like a puppet. Yes. That's that's pretty great. And that one, he's a little more playful. Like, with Legal Assassin, we get to see him more as...
1: Well, we get to see the duality.
0: Yes, like we get, get to, to see, see him his really transition leaning
1: into the Repo Man. Yeah, you know, aesthetic
0: because he eventually he's going through like his, you know, Nathan Manor to get downstairs into his Repo Cave and like put on his Repo suit and reap. So, all right, so I think that's probably a good place to wrap this up because we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes on this segment alone. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to wrap things up, and, uh, yeah, so we'll be right back. Lungs and livers and bladders and hearts
1: You'll always save a bundle when you buy our Tinker parts Slings and chest
0: back. I... I, Hold on. Alright. So, during the break, while the last segment was, like, uh, saving, uh, I was flipping through my phone, and I come across this thing. For whatever reason, Facebook hasn't been giving me my updates for, like, days at a fucking time. And I came across this thing that apparently was uh, put up to TikTok, which I don't ever use, but, like, also posted to Facebook four fucking days ago. And... It's from the photo shoot of the, the 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 Living Dead ghouls, and I was like, "What is this? Holy shit!" And I just shared it to to, to my page with that fucking caption, "Holy shit." Um, I can understand why people are jealous of me now. I get it. I get it. You? Oh my god. Nope. Nope. That. Hmm. That's all I'm gonna say. Yep. Mm hmm. That was that was something that was something I need like a cold shower and like eight hours sleep. Like that's that's where I'm at right now. Like I didn't even notice there was anyone else in the video.
1: I make derpy potato face.
0: No. No, I, I, didn't I make th- derpy nope.
1: potato face in that video.
0: I th- So in
1: the mix of, you know, doing the, the, uh, photos and whatnot, she, um, took uh, like TikTok stuff. So I don't have TikTok, um, maybe someday, but I, I can't deal with social, I, I can barely make Facebook work some days. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, uh. Oh, Scara uh, posted it to her TikTok and also shared it as a reel on on Facebook and stuff. Oh, I it's real, assumed, all right. I just assumed you had had seen it. Yeah, so it's just just you know some promotional stuff that we're doing, you know, um, for the show. Uh, it, they were like, oh, let's just do like a, a thing where we just kind of like walk and it, you know, slow downs so were like slow walking, very like um, I don't know, like the craft. Or, you know, uh, Jawbreaker, you know, uh, f- the, the four women walking slowly looking amazing. Um, so that's that's what it what it was. But um, I, I go full on derpy potato face. No, no. Nope, full on nope, derpy nope, potato face because nope. I just don't know. I don't know how to act.
0: That was.
1: I should honestly.
0: Morticia Adams realness being served. <laughs>
1: Oh, excuse me.
0: Like, that's excuse those are the terms me. that I have to use. Like, that... Now I get why they call you the Queen Mother, because you looked fucking regal, like, walking down with your black dress and your fucking roses and just dropping the rose... Oh, i like, yep. Yep. <laughs> just throwing that out there. So, yeah. I don't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> that was it. I don't even know what we're going to do. Like, this is the end of this thing. Like okay take so, it from here <laughs> so I'm watching that again <laughs>
1: week we're going to be talking about Patrick Bateman from American Psycho who is another just really interesting and phenomenal horror character who doesn't necessarily fit the typical mold of horror characters and I'm really excited to talk about that Um, also next week we'll be throwing down a new battle we'll have some more October Ashtober shenanigans to talk about Uh, and we're in the process of mapping out some really cool stuff for the future Uh, as far as Throwdown Thursday episodes go. So definitely stay tuned, kids. You will not want to miss it. And I think with that being said, we we will see you next Thursday. Thursday.